This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I want to read just a real, it's not, not on the screens, but I want to read the, the, uh, really the passage that we've been using. is Jesus talking about the sower sows the word. In Mark 4, verse 2, it said, Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, by the, the, the hard ground, and the birds of the air came and devoured it, and some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, yielded a crop that sprung up, increased, and produced thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Then he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I, I think if we look at this, this parable, Jesus said it's a real important parable. And because he's talking about really, and he's talking about conditions of the heart, heart conditions that enable us to really to see more of God in our life. And so we talked about having to receive receptivity. That's, that's one thing. When God's word comes to us, we have to be able to receive it. I want to talk about a different one tonight, and that's the, what I call a committed heart. So we have a receptive heart, a committed heart. Mark 4, 16 and 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So let's talk a little bit about a, a committed heart. And again, these are... As you read this, don't think, well, this, this will never happen to me. I really believe this happens to all of us in certain aspects. And so this is a good area to learn in. A committed heart, they begin with receptivity. They're, they're receptive. They said they, they receive the word with gladness, which means that they hear it and they believe it. When you believe it, there's a, accompanying gladness. Gladness comes along with it. Let me show you that from, from Romans 15, 13. It says... Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways that you can tell, hey, I'm believing, there's some joy, there's some joy there, and some peace. See, the gospel's good news. So when you hear good news, and someone told me one time, they said, I don't want to come to your church. They said, man, I, I, I like to go to church where I feel like, man, you know, the, the, the preacher just beats me up. I don't feel like I've been to church unless I just leave condemned. And uh, I told him, I said, yeah, you better find another place because this ain't it. Because gospel means good news. What God's done for us is good news. And when you hear good news, you're not hearing about how you have to stay in the same situation. And if you're dealing with stuff, you're always going to have to deal with stuff. There's always hope in the gospel. And the gospel gives us seed, it plants seeds of hope in us, that things don't have to stay the same, that if you've been depressed all your life, you don't have to be depressed for the rest of your life, that if you had a difficult time and you've always had a hard time struggling financially, there are ways that God can actually help you come out of that or you can be blessed to the point where you can be a blessing to somebody else. That's good news. And when you hear good news and you believe it, it ought to create some gladness. So we're just like, yeah, that's good, good news. And so these, these, this condition of the heart, seed fell, and they heard it, and they received it. They're like, yes, this is good. And they're happy about it. It's good. Aren't you glad you can be happy in church? I mean, I, I've, I've, gone, 
I've gone to church. I used to go to Lakewood when uh, John Osteen was a pastor. There have been times I drugged myself in and floated myself out because I just felt so much better. And, uh, and so I, I, I appreciate that. And so, man, you, you can hear that, and you can begin, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? He said, but, he said, this group, they said they didn't have any root. They only stayed their belief for a season. Not, no roots mean they weren't, they weren't consistent. He said, and then here comes trouble. And so, you got to have some roots. I need to, need to talk about that, roots. You need to, and well, the root really is endurance, it's perseverance. And without root, man, when, when heat comes, it's easy to give it up. What do we say? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you this. I've, I've watched this. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen other people's lives. Maybe they hear about tithing and giving. And they decide, that's God, I'm going to do that. And about two weeks after they do it, all hell breaks loose. Washing machine breaks down. Air conditioner goes out in the car. Need a new compressor on their air conditioner at home. They're like, what? 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 I thought if I tithe, I'd be blessed. Well, you actually will. But it didn't say two weeks. <laughs> you, need, you need some root. You need to stick. It was like, I'm going to serve, man. I'm going I'm I'm to help my church out. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something for the kingdom. They get in and, and somebody's nasty to them. First week they're in. Somebody, somebody in the parking lot. Flips them off in the parking lot. I'm sure this happens in other churches. Not here, of course, but. And they're like, I'm just trying to serve God. People flipping me off. It's a good thing I'm saved. I carry my gun. <laughs> and what happens is a lot of times uh, uh, people quit. And so. <laughs> Y'all look so serious. It's okay. It's all right. We're, we're, we're talking about real life stuff. And, and, and this is real life stuff. Listen, so many, so many people right now, so many believers right now, 2020 just knocked them for a loop. And it just, I, I can tell you something, as a pastor, this has hurt our heart. We have talked about this as a staff. We have prayed about it as a staff. And we have watched people who loved the Lord, had good relationships with the Lord, but the problems hit. And when problems hit, man, they were, they were trying, and they just, are they still saved? Yes. But they, are they still living for God? No. And if that's you and you're, and you're watching tonight, or if that's you and you're here, let me just tell you something. If you fell out, you can fall right back in. You can just get right up and, and go again. But what happened is, Trouble, and, and this is what Jesus is talking about. He said trouble and persecution came. Trouble is simply a, a, a constant of this life. John 16 and 33, look what Jesus says. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Jesus is saying in me you might have peace in him. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He said in the world, notice Jesus said this. He's warning us. In the world we're going to have trouble. Now, I realize that's not exciting news. We're just thinking, dear Lord, Al, we just finished 2020. Here we are right into 2021. You're talking about trouble. <laughs> you know what? In 2022, if the Lord tarries, we'll have trouble then. And, and 2023. Trouble is just simply a part of this life. But what it didn't say was, I put a, I'm going to put some trouble on you. 
He said, in the world you'll have trouble. He said, in me you'll have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. So one of the things you have to determine is, where's the trouble coming from? You got to make sure you understand it's not coming from him. God didn't put the pandemic on us and kill your relatives. I could have done with about two or three more amens on that. He's not the one causing your business to go down. He's not the one afflicting your child with sickness. Man, we got to get it in our heads. Where's the trouble coming from? Because you think the trouble's coming from God, you won't resist it. You think it's coming from him, you're like, well, you know, that's, that's what the Lord's doing. Jesus said, no. He said, you're going to have trouble in the world. He said, but take, he said, be of good cheer. We don't say that anymore. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Almost sounds British, but be of good cheer. It means, it means take courage. He said, because I've overcome the world and you're connected to me. So we're in him. And so whether you feel like it or not, you're a world overcomer right now. You, you belong to him. You're a world overcomer. So when trouble comes, first thing we have to figure out is, Lord, why did you send this trouble? Why did you send this trouble? He didn't. He didn't. So you want to get, here's some real simple theology. Good God, bad devil. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? Above. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when trouble comes, I don't look for God going, well, why did you send this? I'm looking around with joy. And other people, no. <laughs> it's the enemy. It's crazy people. It's the fact that we live in a fallen world. And so when you're clear on that, it helps you resist. Because you're not thinking, okay, this trouble came from God. It didn't. So that's just, that's, you know, you say, well, I wouldn't talk that. Well, around here we got a saying. Don't get mad. Get scripture. Go back and examine what you believe and why. I know that I, with Jesus, the Bible said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, not going around making people sick. You ever notice when Jesus showed up, good things happened? Dead people got up and walked again. That's a good thing. People got fed. That's a good thing. People got healed. That's a good thing. Women were treated with dignity and respect. That's a good thing. A lot of good things happened. So when Jesus showed up, he said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So you want to, you want to make sure real quickly you understand the trouble. Thank you, Lord. You did not send the trouble. You're going to help me come through this. But trouble does come. So we have to understand trouble is a constant. And when we face it, we have to be able, we've, we face it better if we don't become despondent. Here's, here's the thing. Trouble comes and oftentimes people just get, they get down. Or they get afraid. And trust me, that's happened to me. It's happened to everybody. But the thing about it is, it's hard to resist and it's hard to stick when you're despondent. In the Old Testament, it's not in, it's not in the scriptures, but in the Old Testament, there's a story where Hezekiah is, is surrounded by the king of Assyria, a powerful king who'd been just, he'd just been pile driving nations. He'd been just taking out nation after nation, and now he's surrounded Jerusalem. And he's surrounded Jerusalem, 
And, and Hezekiah stands up and he talks to the people. And he, he, he demand, it's a great word. He said, look, he said, don't be afraid of this king. He said, all he's got is flesh. He said, with us is the Lord to help us and fight our battles. He said, we're, we're going to make, he said, you be strong and of good courage. And the Bible said the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. That strengthened them. He said, but Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. He did not give up. In fact, he even had people who were yelling to the people in Jerusalem, yelling in Hebrew so they could understand it. He said he was yelling to them what he was going to do and all the things he was going to do. He said so that he could cause them to be afraid and troubled so he would take the city. You realize it's hard to fight when you're afraid and troubled. And so when trouble hits, if we become despondent, that's one of the first things, that's one of the first areas that we have to watch. So I, I can't just get so down that when trouble comes that, that I, I don't rise up and do something about it. So trouble comes. Jesus also said that persecution would come. Persecution for the word's sake. Let's look at this passage in 1 Peter. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Just leave that scripture right up there, right? Just leave it up. Notice it didn't say, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats or be troubled. It didn't say the Lord is making you suffer. You're suffering from the hands of other people who are persecuting you. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers. Notice he keeps talking about persecution. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. There is, you said, Alan, you just said that the God's not causing the, the, the trouble. That's exactly what I said. But trouble does come. Yes, exactly, it does come. And sometimes persecution can come because you're a believer, because you stand up, for what you believe in. And because people may persecute you for that. Now, in our country, we haven't seen a whole lot of it. I believe we're going to see more. Now, that's not good news, but that's just simply watching culture and watching where it's going. If you stand up and go, I believe the Bible, now you're starting to get some people go, well, you're a hater or you're intolerant or you're this. So I, I'm just telling you, we, we might as well get ready for it. But you can still get persecuted. Joy worked years ago, and Joy and I were in Bible school. She had a job working in a home for special needs adults or additional needs adults. These were, these were various different levels of functionality. She worked for them, and she, she began to find out that there was sexual abuse. These, these adults lived in the home, and that some of the older functioning, higher functioning adults were sexually abusing some of the lower functioning adults. And they weren't telling the parents my little wife, I know y'all think she's so sweet, and she, and she is, but there's a side of her, I think it's that Italian side, but th there's that side of her that just rose up, and she said, that's not right. And so Joy started raising questions. Why are we doing this? Why aren't we telling the parents? Why aren't we doing this? She got really attacked by one of the staff members who really came after her. And she just, she wouldn't quit. She's like, this is not right. They're abusing, they're sexually abusing these low-functioning adults. That's not right. I mean, that's just not right. Shouldn't be done. And Joy just kept, 
She's just real sweet, but she's like extremely persistent. And she's like, this is not right. Well, in a, in a couple of months, they defunded her department. I told her, I said, would you get fired? She said, not even fired. They defunded my department. And they did. She lost her job. And come to find out a little bit later, well, actually a few years later, we found out that the one staff member who was attacking Joy was one of the ones sexually abusing some of these adults. Now, what happened? She just got persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, the good thing about my wife is she didn't get angry at the Lord. She didn't get mad. It cut our income. We were already barely making it, and we were barely, barely making it. But we just, it was the right thing to do. And sometimes standing up for what's the right thing to do, you know, we're not dying here in America. And some countries, they, they fear the raised fist. In America, we fear the raised eyebrow. We say something and someone kind of raises their eyebrow and go, oh, you're one of those. So you, you just might as well kind of get used to being one of those. Somebody probably saw you come in here tonight. You're one of those. But do you understand what I'm saying is that can happen. Persecution comes, but some of you may have, since coming to the Lord, may have lost friends. May have some friends who just kind of don't contact you anymore. Some of your party buddies, they don't come around. Some of your, your, some of your friends. I know relationships that are, that are broken up. And people that are going to get married, break, broken up. Someone became a believer. Other person didn't like it. There is persecution for righteousness' sake. But here's the thing, guys. It doesn't mean we have to quit. Because Peter said, when you get persecuted for righteousness' sake, I felt it. I, I tell you where it's tough is to feel it from church folks. <laughs> you, you think church folks would be the sweetest and the kindest. And, and most, everyone who comes here is. And the ones who are not, are not here. So, it, but how many of you understand? You, you got to push past that. Some of you, hey, listen, how many people you know are out of church right now and they're not out of church because they got persecuted by unbelievers. They're out of church because they had a hard time with believers. <laughs> well, I, this could be a great time for me to step up on the soapbox and really go after it. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. I am going to say this. We have to be conscious of who we're, we have to be conscious of our responses toward people. So they come from all walks and all different backgrounds. When I first came to the Lord, I was a Wrangler Jean salesman. I was 22 years old. I had like zero body fat. And they told me, wear your Wrangler jeans tight. So I did. <laughs> now I realize that's TMI for many of you right now, but we're talking 40 years ago, guys, all right? So work, work with me here. I wore my jeans tight, <laughs> too tight. And uh, I go walking in a singles group, and I had some, some guy pull me aside. Man, he's starting to read me the riot act for wearing my jeans too tight. And I'm a young believer. And I'm starting to get ticked off. And I'll never forget, a man named Joe Valdez stepped right in. He heard the conversation. He stepped right in. And he said, if he wants to wear his jeans tight, he said, let him. At least he can.
always appreciate Joe for that, I really. You know, and, and here's the deal. After a while, and it wasn't long, a few months, I'm in church, and after a while I figured out, I don't have to wear my jeans so tight. In fact, I could breathe better if I don't wear my, my jeans. Am I tempted to do that now? No, I am not. But you understand what I'm saying? I'm young. I'm, I'm a, I, I, who needs that from another believer? So listen, if, and this is what the early church understood. They were getting enough of it from the world. We don't need to get it from one another. We need to come in here and love one another. You need to be able to walk in here on a Wednesday night and go, you know what, I love going to church. I know there are going to be some people who are actually happy to see me there. And there are going to be some people who are smiling at me there. And there's going to be some people who love. Listen, Jesus said, you'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples because you have a fish sign on your car. (laughs) Not my car. I don't drive well enough to put a fish sign on my car. He said, you'll know you're my disciples because you love one another. And so, listen, the persecution should not be in here. You have problems with people, you ought to keep short accounts. Hey, I'm sorry. We go over it. Why? Because when people go through something like that, it can cause them to stumble. It can cause them to fall. And we don't ever want to do that. So what's the key to this? Well, the key to it is endurance. Endurance. Endurance and committed are connected. Endurance is listed as a protective heart condition. Look at at Luke 8. The ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble, with noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. That word patience is endurance. Endurance deals with to persevere, to not quit. To not quit. Listen, so much of the Christian life, guys, it's just not quitting. Are you going to have times where you have trouble? Yes. You have times maybe you're getting persecuted for doing the right thing? Yes. So what do I do during those times? You don't you just stay in there. You endure. I ran track in, in high school. I was fairly fast. And in my freshman year, I was the county champion in the half mile. I was pretty, pretty fast. I stepped up to the high school as, as a sophomore. And there was a guy on my, on my high school team. He, was, he, he looked like anything but an athlete. He looked like a, a refugee from some kind of camp in the Sudan. Tall, skinny guy, no complexion, but he could run all stinking day. And I was faster than him on a bad day, but that brother would set a pace and he would not quit. And after a while, I'm just, I'm dragging. I didn't have the endurance. And he beat me that whole year. He was a senior. He, I'd never beat him. Why? He had endurance. He just kept going. You know what half the secret to staying married is? Not quitting. And and let me help you with that one too. One of the best ways to say, well, I don't have any endurance. Well, stop saying that and stop talking quitting. Talking quitting is not helping you. Talking divorce is not helping you. It doesn't help. It really doesn't. And I, I know some people use it as a weapon but it doesn't help. Just don't do it. Talking, I'm going to quit church, doesn't help you. Just, 
Sometimes you just, endurance simply means you just bow your neck and go, I ain't quitting. I think Joy and I, one of the reasons we stayed together. Neither one of us would quit. Kind of looking at each other and going, I'm not quitting. She goes, I'm not quitting. <laughs> well, well, I guess we're stuck with one another. Yes, we are. 39 years this April. That's, now listen. And, and that's not 39 years of marital bliss. Probably about 15 of really good years. Some of those first years were tough, really tough. And we both could have quit. But this is where endurance, neither one of us, we have our faults, but neither one of us is a quitter. And so we, we just stayed in there. You, you have to make up your mind you're going to do that with the Lord. I'm going to keep living for him. I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep enduring. Why? You, you, want to, you, you want to be fruitful. We want to be productive. And it's going to take endurance to do that. And so I'll have to talk a little bit about this next week. Let me give you some endurance is a quality of character that does not surrender to circumstances or give in to pressure. I, I think there's some, some ways to do this. One, purpose in your heart. You make a hard decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay with this. Two, understand that when you face tough times and pressure, by resisting it is one of the ways you get stronger. I think weightlifters have that, have that uh, saying, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And there's a certain aspect of that where it's true, where you face a problem and instead of just quitting or stopping, you keep going. So you purpose and, and you do that. Um, stay in an environment that's strong. Guys, this is one of, I think this is one of the reasons during the pandemic, so many people, they faced problems. It was job, it was family, it was often a combination of both, and, and they didn't have church they could be a part of. Do you realize that this is an environment that can strengthen you? It can do everything for you, but it can make you stronger. And when you're going through problems, I've heard people say, you know, I'm going through a problem. We just dropped out of church for a while. That is not the time to drop out of church for a while. The time to, the time to stay is when all hell busts loose is stay here. So you can keep hearing something other than what you're already hearing. So you can hear, hey, God can help you get through this situation. Hey, you can make it out of this situation. You need to hear that because you're already hearing enough negative stuff. So when things go bad, stay in church. And when things go good, stay in church. I thought, why? Because it could go bad. So why don't you just be ahead of the game and be strong? So you stay in a stronger environment. When I was in sales, they, they did motivational things all the time for salespeople. You know why they do motivational things for salespeople? Because we're, we were constantly getting beat up. No, rejected, no, problems, no. And so salespeople need somebody going, you're awesome, you can do it, you got, you're great, yay, you. When you're getting beat up, you need to hear somebody go, yay, you, right? So life 
It may be pounding you. You need to come in here and hear, hey, the one we serve is defeated all this stuff and you're in him. And so you're a world overcomer because we're connected to the one who is overcome. Thank God if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are the blessed and not the cursed. You are the head and not the tail. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We need to hear that. And as we hear that, see, you leave with a little bit of swagger. You're like, I can handle this. I can endure. And then the problems hit next. I can endure. And Hebrews, and we'll close with this, Hebrews 10. So don't cast away your confidence. It's got a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't throw your confidence away. Your confidence in God. Your confidence in his ability to help you. Your confidence in the fact that this is the best way to live. Don't throw your confidence away. You just stick it out. You bow your neck and you go, bless God, I'm staying. Everybody else can quit, but I'm not quitting. You can just stay right in there. You can endure. Now listen, if you haven't done that, and you're listening to me going, I, I, I didn't do that. I, I'm just horrible. I'm a horrible Christian. Just stop that. Stop. That was yesterday. This is today. Brand new day. Let's start again. There's purpose in our heart. And next week I'll tell you what caused me to go from serving the Lord to dropping out for about three years. But when I came back, I stuck. If I can do it, you can do it. Say, well, you're a pastor. No, I was a sales rep. Not a pastor. So, there's, by the way, no special, no special uh, express lane for pastors. No express pass. I don't get like, oh, you're a pastor, so you get a biblical express pass. Just swipe it, and my life is easy. Doesn't work that way. In fact, the way it works is, if you preach it, you live with greater condemnation because your preaching will come back to hit you. Or your wife will. <laughs> She's like, hey, Mr. Preacher, what about what you just said? We're blessed. <laughs> Bow your head. You came this evening and said, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I've never asked him to be my Savior. Or you came and said, you know what? Alan, I, I'm one of the ones that fell away and I'm here tonight, but I know in my heart I'm not right with God or I'm watching. If you're watching and you know in your heart you're not right with God, we're going we're to say a very simple but powerful prayer. And if that's you and you've been out, you can get in. And if you're not sure, you can be sure. If that's you that I'm talking to here, I'm going to ask you to do one very simple thing. You say, Alan, I, I, I want to be sure or I want to be back in. Would you pray for me? Quickly slip your hand up real quickly across the auditorium and say, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. 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 Great. Appreciate your courage. Thank you for that. Put your heads down. Hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can jump right into this. Online, if you're watching, if you're by yourself, pray this with us out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. 
Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. My heads are still bowed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, those that acknowledged it here, those, Father, who have prayed online. And Lord, we are, we're grateful. Father, we, all of us are in need of your grace and your help and strength. Thank you for those who stepped out of darkness into your light and for those who've come back home. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you. We have the capacity to endure. You never would have told us to do it. Thank you for that. Strengthen and quicken your people so they're able to walk with you in such a way that they go from glory to glory and things get brighter and brighter. Lord, we give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.